Welcome to D3 Nation, now don't you change the station Oh Lord knows it has just begun We're talking all the motivation from years of dedication Discovering who's number one The fight is never done You gotta dig down inside for who you're destined to be The war is never won So talk it out with your host, Gennaro and Anthony What's going on, D3 Nation? Happy November. Stay strong, college wrestling fans. We will wrestle again. November is usually a great month. It usually starts the competition season. And we know everyone's ready for some college wrestling. But the senior level events have been awesome to watch. Kudos to everyone involved making those happen. We welcome three-time All-American Johnny J-Rock Johnson to the show today. J-Rock had an impressive career for Trenton State, now known as the College of New Jersey, under legendary coach David Eisenhower. He has been the head coach at Raw 2 for 1, a club he started, and has produced multiple studs from this club. J-Rock is passionate about wrestling and is a true student of the sport. I think you're all going to enjoy this one. J-Rock's son makes an appearance on the show too, so apologies for some baby cries in the middle. Enjoy. What's going on, everyone? Super excited to have J-Rock on the podcast with us tonight. Johnny J-Rock Johnson. J-Rock, how are you doing tonight? Outstanding, fellas. How are you guys this evening? I'm good, man. Very, 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 very good. Uh, so want to start the episode with uh, obviously a lot to get into, but how, how did the nickname come about, J-Rock? It's a good one. It's a good one. Yeah, my buddy, uh, my, rap, my, my rap partner in crime. Uh, Son Corley, he gave it to me back as a sophomore in high school. I was going by Johnny J, you know, John John, and he was like, man, you got to do something more creative. And he kind of gave it to me by watching me wrestle a couple of times. He was like, man, you, you got like a rock head, like you hard as a rock. So he just kind of <laughs> like J-Rock, and I've been J-Rock since uh, sophomore year in high school. Oh, there awesome. you go. Awesome, Sweet. and it stuck. So, honestly, uh, right now you're – head coach at Raw 2 for 1 uh, out here in Jersey. Um, so just talk a little about the club wrestling scene right now, how everything's been, obviously with COVID and a lot of different guidance through what state you're located in. So just tell us what you've been going through these last few months. Yeah, so I've been in both New Jersey, obviously, and then also in Pennsylvania. Okay. And the res restrictions in both are a little bit different. And um, But what I have noticed is that most people just aren't following <laughs> those guidelines anyway. They're just kind of creating your own kind of method, your own lane and going in that direction. I've been trying to play it safe. Um, just by nature, I just play, play it safe anyway. But so I started off really casually back in uh, the summer doing stuff outside, making sure everybody had a mask on, everybody stayed away from each other. And then we gradually progressed to where we would have practices indoors. And then even when we got indoors, I had them wearing masks and kids were like almost dying. You know, they had to like run outside every two <laughs> minutes to catch their breath. It was tough. Uh, it's been, it's yeah. been a tough time. And then, um, you know, but I didn't have the kids up on top of each other wrestling live and battling and stuff like that. We kind of kept our distance and did spatial awareness, drills, so on and so forth. And, um, you know, we are where we are now. We're kind of graduated to where we can at least drill um, a little bit okay. and, um, and bang heads a little. Awesome. Sweet. Did you, uh, did you have any athletes competing down at Super 32 or anyone competing recently? 
I had one guy that was going to go when he wound up not going. So the Super 32 is one of my absolute faves. I mean, I just feel like um, that's a great way to kind of measure yourself. Where are you? You know, how tough are you? How, how physical are you? How aggressive are you? I mean, how well do your skills work and against what level of competition are you able to execute those skills? So our kids missed out on that this year. So I feel a little bit sad about that. But the times are tough, the times are hard, and I can understand why people have difficulty traveling, getting away from home, so on and so forth at this time mm-hmm. with uh, what we're going through with this pandemic. But I think we'll be back to some level of normalcy, and I don't think we'll ever get back to our level of normalcy that we're used to. But I think we'll get back to some semblance of, of, of normalcy um, by next year and have, you know, everybody will kind of have a, a direction of where we're going and how we should do things. And I think things we should be able to get back out there and compete a little bit. Yeah, for sure. And it definitely seems like uh, USA Wrestling has done a great job, like creating guidelines and trying to still have sanctioned events under their on, under their governing body. So obviously there's stuff coming up for for clubs and for high school athletes. So hopefully people can take advantage of that during this time. Yeah, without question. I mean, you could, I think it's important to have some level of competition. I think what you see Nittany Lion Wrestling Club doing, Hawkeye Wrestling Club doing now, introducing competition into their into their walls and, and having something to where you can, you know, keep the juices flowing competitively, keep the guys training with a reason. So you got to have some kind of, you know, where, what's the end game? Are we working two, three times a day for what? So yeah. you're giving them something to chase. And so, you know, giving some of these matchups and, uh, you know, the, the, the 195 matchups, one, what, 70 kilos, 152, whatever. You know, just giving guys an opportunity to compete. And I think that that's great right now. What I will say, just, you know, my one man's opinion, we need to go to Worlds. I mean, Russia yeah. has, uh, Russia had their Russian Nationals last week. I mean, their team looks absolutely ridiculously tough as per, as per usual. Mm-hmm. And those guys, I, I want to wrestle them. And I, I'm the type of guy like, okay, we don't want to send USA. We don't want to send 10 guys. How about two or three guys that want to go unattached? How about JB says, hey, man, I want to go at 74. How about yeah. Kyle, Kyle Dake says, hey, man, I want to go at 79. How about, I don't know, even one of our third guys in line at 57, yeah. 61 says, I want to go. And then go unattached and compete. So I, right. I feel sorry for those guys because your window of competition to compete at that, at this level is so, you don't have five years for most guys. Like that, right. that's, an, that's an anomaly. So for somebody that's hot, right now and can compete right now against the best in the world for them to miss both the Olympics and the worlds. That's a hit. Yeah. That'll be crazy. I mean, just when that news released, I, I couldn't believe, I couldn't believe it that we weren't going to send a team. I mean, it's not like we're sending over a whole like Olympic team, like with a lot of sports, it's just the wrestlers. So like you can easily find a way, get a private jet, social distance, Yep. test like there's so many things that they could do i get it i understand what's going on in the world right now it's tough with the restrictions but that's something that definitely and like this is like too like outside the wrestling community and wrestling scene people are like oh it's just the world one world championship it's not a big deal well it is a big deal it it's a big deal. Yeah. it's a huge deal like people are saying last year with like uh division one nationals or any nationals last year got canceled to like, yeah. well, you had your full season. It's okay. Well, no, it's not okay. No. No, <laughs> it's, not. it's not no. okay at all for these guys. They've been yeah. you know, a bunch of seniors last year that were one seeds or two seeds or making yeah. their first trip. And like, they've been training their whole lives for that moment. And then Agreed. for it to get taken away and not even get a chance to come back. It's, I thought it was just totally mishandled, but we can get into a whole other podcast episode just about <laughs> that. Let's get into you a little bit. Talk about your club, 
a little bit. What's the name? Why did you name it that? And how that come to fruition? Uh, R.A.W. Rock of Ages Wrestling. And then uh, two for one rock, meaning, you know, short for J-Rock. And then um, the two for one is take them down, let them up. You know, we're trading two for one. So it's kind of a, we're speaking our style into existence. So we're speaking how we're going to perform into existence. I'm going to take you down. I'm going to cut you, but then I'm going to also take you down again. And then I'm I love going to that. Repeat, you know, awesome. Um, wash, rinse, repeat kind of thing. It's like we want to have a mindset. So I tell my guys that first period, you, is nobody, none of our guys should get through that three minutes in college or two minutes in high school without scoring a takedown in that first period. Like right. it's almost like it's like uh, almost like the Seabolt thing. Like take your singlet off. You can't score a takedown in that first period. Get get that singlet off you because you're not you're not upholding the standard. You get the idea. So it's just a right. mindset. You want those guys to get out there, be be aggressive, and um, you know, worst case scenario, you don't score. You were the aggressor. You set the tone. Right. You yep. let them know that you, you mean business, that you're here to wrestle and that you didn't kind of like, you know, play the edge, and you know, hope for the best. Like you, you actually trying to execute. Yeah, I love that. Did you come up with that two for one? I think that's yeah. pretty clever. Yeah, like yeah, that. yeah, yeah. A lot of people. I, I mean, for years, people were like, man, what's the two for one area code? Where is that? Like, yeah, no, it's not. <laughs> that's what I was thinking. I was thinking that. No, that's cool. That's cool. And it's funny yeah. before we move on a little bit, it's funny you brought up that Seabolt thing that's been going around. I've been seeing it yeah. around. So your take on that is you're fine with that mentality and how he approached that? Because I've seen both 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 different versions that it was ridiculous, it's bowling, and then other people are like, no, step it up. Like you got you're representing our club, like get better. So I agree hundred percent with him. Okay. Now I I agree with him if it's a club. If it's a club and that's his mindset of his club, right. he has every right. He's entitled to let you know what the mindset of his club is. Like, it's like, okay. a, you know, you, you putting together a, a paragraph or two explaining what you're about and you want to live up to that. So if he has standards, I don't know what his standards are. I don't even know the guy. But okay. whatever his standards are, if those are his standards, he has a right to, for, to, to ask and, and demand of his kids that he's training to live up to those standards. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's really weird because in every other facet of life, what he's doing would hold up. So let me give you an example. Let's say you were a starting quarterback for whomever, Dallas Cowboys. You went okay. out and threw three, three interceptions this weekend, three interceptions the following weekend. You're getting pulled. Right. So yeah. you, you, you're done. What if you go to college? You take 15 credits, but you only, you only pass three of them. You're mm -hmm. done. Yeah, there's there's no other facet of life to where if you don't live up to expectations that you can maintain where you are, that position is going to be stripped from you. Everything you have to earn things. Right. So yeah. what he's saying is you got to earn it. I did it in reverse. So as, as a raw, people would join in and be like, hey, can I get a single? I was like, no, not yet. You got to okay. earn it. Stay in the program for a year. Show me that you're picking up the material. Show me that you're executing in matches and competition. I don't care if you win the Olympic gold world, but that's not what I'm talking about. But I need mm -hmm. for you to show me that you're raw, that you can go out, you do the stance motion level change, you're doing the wrist rolls, you're doing the low single waters, you're doing the cutbacks, doing the rubber tummy. When you do all of that, man, throw the singlet on. So it was for years, it was the only way that you could wear a raw two for one singlet is if you were essentially raw, right? So so I just mm -hmm. did what, what Seabold is doing, I just did it in reverse. Okay. Right. So, but the but the concept is the same, which is, he has a standard and he's asking people to uphold that standard. 
And right. I think he has he has every right that you don't go to, to Princeton and UPenn and, and be like, you know, I'm gonna get away with these 1.7 GPAs and, and and make a living for myself. Like it doesn't right. work like that. Like they're, yeah. they're gonna tell you that you're gone. We have expectations here and we expect you to live up to them. No, I mean, that's really well said. Uh, I hear everything you're saying. I mean, we have a term at our college called jack it up. You know, we say it all the time. You know, it's our breakdown after practice. And, you know, it means like hard work, commitment, like all the things, you know, you need to be successful in wrestling. And, you know, we always say like, if you don't mean it, like don't say it. We're like, you know, just leave the program kind of deal. You know yeah. what I mean? So it's kind of like the same concept. So yeah. I understand that too. And then, for example, with Coach Hebel, I mean, I don't know him personally. I know he he's coached uh, some good wrestlers. And mm -hmm. one of them, one Super 32, actually, Drake Ayala. I don't know if you watched him at all. Okay. He's pretty, pretty talented. So, obviously, okay. he's bought in, and it's worked out right. for him. So, he's exactly. doing something right. And the other thing is, too, there's plenty of clubs out there. If you don't like it, you can leave and go to another club, pretty much. So Right. Um, yeah. But – yeah. So go ahead, Ant. Yeah, moving on forward here. Yes, for sure. And uh, let's uh, let's talk about that. Uh, you know, the takedown. Obviously, a neutral position was a huge, huge thing in my style of wrestling. What? How? What did it come into your and your style? And you know, really, you you fate shaped your club wrestling around it. Yeah, no, that's a that's see, that's a great question because so I started wrestling as a freshman in high school. Nothing about any wrestling, you know. I, I saw some stuff with, the, with somebody throw a half Nelson, or um, <laughs> you know, it's, I didn't know any wrestling. So when I started as a freshman, I actually was on the basketball team. I was on the freshman basketball team. I was the guard. Okay. And, um, but I I transferred to New Jersey from Maryland. I'm originally from Baltimore. So my mom didn't want me in Baltimore streets. So you know, her way of doing that. Hey, why don't you go up with grandma? And um, we'll, we'll finish up your high school years, which was beneficial for me to get me out of those the, the environment that I was in. So when I got there, um, I, I started wrestling. I didn't, I couldn't keep up with anybody. I just didn't know anything. And guys were running around cradles, near side cradle, far side cradle, ankle pick, high. I don't know any of this stuff. So it was like I was getting lost in the sauce. So back then, and, and you guys don't know about this stuff. There used to be this thing called VHS tapes. Right. So, <laughs> so I used to have get my hands on these VHS tapes and I had like two tapes from NCAAs and I would just kept watching them and just kept watching them. And guys that were standing out to me, you know, guys like Jack Kuva, he was just a takedown guy. He would take people down, let them up, take them down, let them up. I was like, man, that probably would work for me because I'm not, I suck on the mat. Like, <laughs> like to say I suck on the mat is like an understatement, but I'm just trying to be nice. Right. So I was so yeah. bad. It was like, but I can take people down. And yeah. um, so I just adopted it just by watching him, uh, Jack Hugo, for years and picking up that style. And um, at that time, John Smith was at Oklahoma State. And John Smith had like 270, I don't know, 276 takedowns. And I was like, in my head, I was like, all right, so my goal is at bare minimum 277 takedowns a year. You know, I wanted to, I just wanted to chase because he was the guy in the U.S. Right? Yeah, so for sure. I wanted to stay wherever he was. He had set the bar and I just wanted to stay par for the course and have 277 and then work my way up uh, on a yearly basis. So that's, that's the idea. John was also good on top, um, but, but you get the idea. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, that's cool. Um, you know, talking about that. So you started late in wrestling, obviously. How did your high school career go? You know, I mean, it seems like, uh, you know, you start off a little rough and it always, you know, with any wrestler starting out, no one's just a natural, like everyone's going to take their lumps. So how did uh, everything finish up after your four years? Yeah, I was, I, I got really lucky. 
My first ever match was against a guy named Tim Widener from Cinemental. It was a Wednesday night duel meet. And they, they installed me my, right away, put me in at 115, 114 at the time. And uh, I walked out. I don't know what I did. If you ask me this, day, I have no idea. I pinned the guy, right? Okay. So we win the duel meet, and the, the newspaper is like interviewing me, like sticking the mic in my like I'm like, what's going on? Like, all of this hype. And then the next day, I'm in the paper. <laughs> he wasn't attention too. Yeah, no. Like I'm in the paper the next day. People were patting me on the back. I got uh, announced in the announcements in the morning. They were like Johnny Johnson with the with the pen last night. So I was like, man, I can get used to this. Yeah. This our New Jersey duels are Wednesday, Saturday. Okay. The, the next the next duel was Saturday. Man, I got double armbarred and pinned in like the first period by a guy <laughs> named Aethern from Northern Brunswick. It was like. But I had already caught the bug, right? So, if, but if that was in reverse, you wouldn't know me. If I had pinned on Wednesday, then yeah. I probably wouldn't have wrestled on Saturday. And so you would never know me. But the fact that, I, you know, God, you know, he puts things in motion. I was very fortunate. I won on Wednesday night. And it was just like, I didn't even care about getting pinned on Saturday. I was like, I caught the bug and I'm ready to go. What's wrong, yeah. buddy? <laughs> no, it's cool, man. I mean, yeah. You know, sometimes... I, I'm a big believer. Everything happens for a reason. Sometimes luck's on your side and, you know, yeah. look where you're at now. So that's pretty cool. So then yeah. you're finishing up, you know, you got the bug, you finish up your high school career. Was there a recruiting process or were you just kind of yeah. looking to go anywhere or how'd that go about? Yeah, no, I was, I was getting, you know, I was getting exponentially better every year. So okay. I had no, you know, I had no idea what, what wrestling camps and all of that stuff was. So my freshman year, I just spent the, you know, the time in my basement um, lifting weights. It was like, <laughs> That was like my idea to like try to catch up. Like I didn't have any technique or anything like that. Mm -hmm. So my sophomore year, I went from nine seven, nine seven and like two. They had these things called ties back then. If you guys yeah. tie, know about, <laughs> right? So nine seven and two as a freshman. I went like nineteen five and two as a sophomore. Twenty seven and four made it to states as a junior. And then uh, senior year, I was number two ranked all year, and I wound up finishing third. I was thirty and one. So I was, you know, colleges saw yeah. that I was, you know, climbing this ladder, making mm -hmm. progress. And um, at that time, back then, we're talking about the late 80s. So you're talking about Clarion, um, Lockhaven, Bloomsburg. They were all in the top 10. Okay. So just think about that right now. So Pennsylvania had like five schools in the top 10 back then. Wow. Um, so crazy. you include Lehigh and then obviously Penn State. So, yeah. But I got recruited by three of them. I got recruited by Navy and uh, a couple other programs. So it was like people just, they knew I wasn't good per se, but they knew that if they got their hands on me, they could make something happen. And, right. Um, Coach you up a little up, bit. Yeah, exactly. Or, or a lot, you know, because I was yeah. really behind. <laughs> yeah, really sure. behind. Hey, sometimes, um, you know, that's good. You know, you're not going to be burnt out and peaking yeah. at the right time. So, uh, yeah. so those schools were recruiting you. Um, then you, you you know you wound up at uh, D three school. How, so how how did that turn about? Pretty much. So the the, the David Eisenhower was the coach. Uh, rest in peace, Coach Ice. So, but Ice came up to me after my semifinal loss. Okay. I was distraught. I lost in the semis. It was like my big dream. I wanted to be a state champion. I mean, I, I was distraught in the back yeah. underneath the bleachers at University of Pennsylvania, uh, Princeton, and. Um, Eisenhower put his hand on my shoulder. It was like, hey, man, we'd like you to, you know, come to, to Trenton State, which was Trenton State at the time, turned into College of New Jersey. Uh, we'd really like you to come, and we'll give you, an, give you an opportunity to start as a freshman. And it was like, ding, 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 ding. I have no patience. 
So yeah. for me to have a chance, like I don't want a red shirt, sit behind somebody. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so he gave me an opportunity to start as a freshman, and I got to Trenton State. I started as a, he gave me an opportunity. I won the spot and started as a freshman. So it was like he gave me that, and I knew if I went to Bloomsburg, Lockhaven, like I might not start until I was a senior. You know what I mean? If at a, at a program like that, because I just felt like I wasn't there. Um, so you saw a little bit of it with, with Jesse Whitmer when he was at Iowa, right? So he stayed at Iowa at 118. He was a backup for years and years and years. He finally got his opportunity. He won the national title. Yeah. So I, I just felt like you know, in my head that I was more like that at a big time division one school. No, that's awesome. Cool, man. I mean, still to this day, you know, between D3, D2, D1 recruiting, a lot of kids, you know, better kids at the D3 level, they take, they hop on that chance because they know, hey, I can start right now and yep. get better right now instead of being a practice dummy for a few years. So, no, that's awesome. Yeah, so now and as we uh, trans – go ahead, go ahead. At that time, so another appealing thing at that time was we could go D1. So if you – Oh, true, D3, yeah. So, so if you won D3s, that's your automatic, and then your runner-ups and stuff were your wild cards. Yeah, so uh, it's a good so point too. Time, I was like, man, I, I I still can compete with Lock Haven in all of these programs. Mm -hmm. I can I can earn the opportunity. So that yeah. was another part of the appeal as well. Yeah, good points. Yeah, that that totally makes sense. So obviously, you had a very very solid career for Trent State, now the College in New Jersey. Um, you know, wrestling for legendary coach David Eisenhower. Before we get into like your athletic credentials, I'm just uh, curious. You know, both of us are coaches. What made Coach Ice such a special coach? Like, what made him transcend that program and bring it to really where it, where it is today? To me, Ice Ice was he was like a taskmaster in the, in the sense that he could get everybody in the team that he wanted. So it was like we were Division three, but my senior year, the whole team I took like a circuitous route. Like I left and then came back. So everybody in the lineup, all ten guys, were not from Trenton State College. <laughs> guys from Lock Haven, Lehigh, uh, Camp, Campbell, Rowan now, but it was Glassboro State. The yeah. whole team came from somewhere else. So oh, that's crazy. Yeah, it was, and we were ranked number one in the country. Uh, I believe we won undefeated that year, like sixteen and zero or something. And uh, but Ice, Ice is the architect of that. Like he yeah. got, he got all of those kids and make them all fit. Yeah, into those weights. Which I thought was kind of awesome, and um, yeah, I can't, oh yeah, um, you guys know all you guys know about Crookham, right? Out of PA, of yeah. course, yeah, yeah. So his his dad was he transferred in in my weight, and it was like so he obviously he wasn't gonna beat me. I mean, it, so but in order to make the team better, I moved up to fifty. Okay, and Crookham was installed at forty two. We were just, we were solid. So we had Crooklyn yeah. at 42, me at 50. We had Nishak, Oak Cone, Anton Atterbury, Randy. Uh, That's Randy, awesome. Randy and, yeah, we had a rough team. We were be rough. Be we were before rough. the transfer portal even happened, he was already taking advantage of it. Yes. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> like he, was, he was ahead of the game. And 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 today, today, um, Coach Goodale is doing that. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, so it's crazy, right? Because <laughs> yeah. is like, uh, I'm ready to leave Penn State. All right, where can I go? Like, here we are. Yeah. I'm over here. So it's like, you know, he gets guys to come back. And it's kind of, it's how you build your program. Because you're not yeah. going to be able to recruit every year. You're just not. Right. Yeah, it's so not. To be able it's to, a grind. 
for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, another legendary coach in Division Three, Coach Jim Miller out Wartburg, mm-hmm. you know, he did, he was very similar to what Coach Ice was yes. doing basically on the East Coast. I mean, Wartburg was essentially the same way. I mean, every year that guy Absolutely. had had a transfer. So it seemed like Coach Ice was like, well, if I want to compete with these guys, yep. I, need, I need to get these guys in here essentially so so yeah i mean him and then also i would probably say augsburg probably had a little bit of that flavor as well yeah um they still got um, that flavor don't worry they still got that flavor um (laughs) montclair montclair state which is not around now but montclair um strap was their head coach i mean he did a phenomenal job as well doing the same thing but i mean that's how you built those top 10 programs top five i would say programs in division because they were you know D1 uh, throwaways, you know, whatever yeah. you want to call it. But, I mean, that's how those teams were were um, constructed, and they were strong. They yeah, were for sure. Yeah, so so now just curious. Right now, to qualify for the national championships, we have a regional format, very similar to Division Two. There's six super regionals in Division Three, and you have to take top three at your weight to qualify. So curious, what was the national qualifying process when you were at Trenton State? Were you guys part of the NJAC? Was it, was it a conference? Yeah. Yeah. Um, just explain that a little bit. Yep. So it was us, Keen, Montclair, you know, stuff like that, Ramapo, uh, programs like that. So yeah, we were in Jack, um, Glassboro, which is now Rowan. Um, and then if I, if I sound ignorant on this, it's because I am, I don't know. I just wanted, I, all, I went to win. So I don't know what the <laughs> process was if you didn't win. <laughs> all I yeah. I went to win and I knew I was going to national. So I really don't know if they took. I know it was some wild cards. I don't know how they did it per okay. se. So I don't. I don't want to sound foolish by throwing something at you. I do. I just don't know. Well, no. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm coaching now at Stevens, so it's just fun. Mm-hmm. You're naming all these schools like that don't have programs anymore. You know, I yeah. mean, really, it's just us, yeah, TC and J, Trenton State. Um, you know, Centenary. But Division Three wise, there's not that many schools in New Jersey, so it's just crazy here that they the NJAC sponsored wrestling back then because i mean it's, it's not we the case anymore bunch. yeah we, had, we yeah. had a lot of teams i mean there was um you know we had uh uh ruckers camden was in there ruckers ruckers um newark was in there um i mean we we had a lot of teams i mean it was very it was competitive you know what i mean it was competitive keen and all yeah. those guys it was competitive and a lot of those schools had a, they all all of those schools division three, division three is not division one so division one is you know minnesota puts out you know, they tried to, you know, 10, 15 years ago, put out 10 All-Americans, right? Mm-hmm. So that's how good they were when they did that. So Division Three is more like, you know, even the schools you've never heard of, they got one or two guys that are really good. And that's really what it is. It's, it's hard to put together real solid teams at Division Three, but they do have where it's always somebody there. Like even like Florian Genia was at Montclair late 90s for strap. I mean, he, he you know. All these guys, they, they, he could wrestle anywhere. He could wrestle anywhere in the country. You know, I felt like I could have wrestled anywhere in the country. You take, mm-hmm. um, you know, some of these guys in, from some of these programs, I mean, they, they could wrestle anywhere. You know, yeah. Iowa, Penn State, they could fit in any lineup. But it's, you know, but it's Division three, so you only got like one, 1. 1.5 guys per lineup that can do something like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, it's just like the depth throughout the lineup is just, right. it's just different, you know. And yeah, then, exactly. obviously, you have those – those top five teams like that you were talking about, you had, I mean, that's when you have 10 hammers right, that, right. that can compete. But um, so, you know, looking at your college career, obviously you were, you were in the mix for a national title, essentially since you stepped foot on at, at yeah. Trent state. So just, just talk about the ebbs and flow of your career. Obviously um, 
you know, you, the national title eluded you, but you, I mean, you were still right there to, to win one uh, your junior year. So just, just talk about, you know, the ebbs and flows of your career and, and some of the highlights. Yeah. So the, the, the same heartbreak I endured losing in the semis, my, my, my senior year of high school, where I felt like it was the end of the world. I felt like that in college when I, when I would lose at the nationals, I, I put a lot into having an opportunity to win a national title. It took, uh, I guess I was a third or fourth season sophomore, finished fourth, uh, lost by one in the semis, two to one. I don't know how I even lost that match. And I lost six, five for third place against the returning champ. Um, and then in the finals, the guy that made the finals that beat me two one, he beat a guy that I had already beaten during the year, nine to three. So I felt like I was right there even then as a sophomore. Mm-hmm. And then, um, you know, I, I got in really good shape my junior year. I wasn't there yet my sophomore year because I'd only wrestled half the season. Um, I came come back in January. Um, so I only wrestled January, February, and then nationals are first weekend in March of this year. So uh, my junior year, I wrestled the whole season and I was in phenomenal shape. And uh, I was ranked number one all year. And Raphael Wilson had moved up from, from 134. He was uh, a national champ in OW and Midlands play. So he was legit, legit. And um, he was ranked number two. But when we got to nationals, he was seated one and I was seated two. So it was like this big clash. And uh, I had lost that match. I lost on the scoreboard. I mean, I'm 25 years and 13 minutes later, I feel like I won the match. So, I mean, I, I look back at that and I'm very comfortable with it. Like, had I got my doors blown off, I, I don't know. I would feel like I had so many blind spots in my game that I had so much to work on. But because I had lost, you know, squeezing your index finger and your thumb together in that little space in between, I felt like the match was that close. And a bad call here and a bad call there really decided whether or not I won or, lo- win or lose that match. I look back at that and I, I don't, I really don't feel like I lost. Like, mm-hmm. I'm, com- I'm comfortable with that. And then, you know, you continue to wrestle. My senior year, I was top seed, wrestled horrible on the first day. When I usually wrestled great on the first day of nationals, um, scoring 20 plus points in both matches on Friday um, in my sophomore and junior year. So my senior year, <clears throat> I wrestled horrible the first day. And I wound up losing to the A seed. I was top seed. I lost to Tom Lee from, from Augsburg. He wound up winning it and he got OW. But I just feel like, you know, if I'd have wrestled him another 99 times, you know, that was his one that he would have got. And he right. Got it. But it, it happened. So, you know, it's what I live with. So I'm comfortable with that as well because I just feel mm-hmm. like, you know, I was a better wrestler. And I just kept wrestling. I beat mm-hmm. Division One, top seed Division One, All-Americans Division One. I've, I've done the whole thing in terms of um, – working my way around the horn a little bit and seeing who's who and finding mm-hmm. out where I really, really stand. And, um, you know, I'm comfortable with my career, but to me, my career was just, all that was was a springboard to me. The kids that I coach, I coach kids now that have been with me since they're five, six, seven years old, they're 12, they're better than I was in college, technically, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. I've, I've prepared them in such a way that in five, six years of training with me that their skill set is way beyond what I yeah. was doing even, even in, you know, college. Yeah. You know, and it's funny you say that because uh, my brother, me and brother are talking a week, just doing our research on you. Um, you definitely see, still to this day, seem a student of the sport. You know what I mean? You always adjust in your coaching and, you know, just trying to get the best out of your athletes. And I mean, you do have a bunch of great athletes that you have coached. Um, so it's definitely been an uh, impressive run there. So kudos yeah. to you. Um, Thank you. Appreciate and it, it. And, yeah, no problem. And did you want to add something to that as well? Yeah, no, it just seems like uh, what, you know, what, uh, how much 
you put into the sport and it really, it really affects you, but also you learn from it. And I feel like it's helped you with coaching. Do you, do you agree with that? Like your experiences? So yeah, you're, you're spot on today, man. Like <laughs> you, you, you're spot on. Like <laughs> had I not had those hardship losses, it would not have turned. It's like, um, and I say this all the time to people like Michael Jordan would be a horrible basketball coach. You know, Magic Johnson proved that, that he was a horrible yeah. coach. It's just really hard when you're really, really good to help people because you just don't have the time for them, right? Because it's like, dude, you can't jump from the foul line. <laughs> dude, dude, you can't shoot threes from the from the logo. Like, what's your problem, guy? Like, get your act together. Like, for me, I, I was so far behind. I understand how to take a kid that has an empty plate and just start putting stuff on it over years and then eventually yeah. coming up with a full course meal. Like, I get it. Because I was that, I was the empty plate. So I had the patience for it. So it, it allowed me my, 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 my losses, you know, losing here. All right, I need you to stay in your stance because when you come out of your stance, something bad can happen to you. Like me, I got underhooked in a match and then that cost me a match. I don't want you to do that. So I need you to keep your elbows in, your hands in front. So those losses, Anthony, you're spot on. Those losses helped me develop the style that I teach. I already had the style of wrestling, but the little nuances to the style, right? Where your body should be positioned, your hands, your head, your elbows, how you should move your feet, so on and so forth, where your hips should be. Mm -hmm. All of those things are part of it. Yeah. Awesome. That's great. And so now, now touching on talking about your coaching career a little bit, uh, 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 the start of your career, you actually stayed on staff at, at Trenton state uh, with uh, coach ice for, for a little yeah. bit. Um, and uh, how, how many years were you a college coach for? Uh, two years, 96, 97. Okay. And, uh, yeah. you know, in those, in those two years, did you just feel like college coaching was just not on the cards for you? You just felt like there was something different that you were looking for? Well, I had started in 95, really started bringing, I, I was actually bringing people to Trenton State College, College of New Jersey. Now I was bringing kids to the campus, to the wrestling room and was working with guys that okay. didn't have anything to do with the school. Gotcha. And, you know, and so I really was falling in love with just helping people. Like, I, I didn't oh. have a club. It was nothing formal. It was just, I'm helping these kids. I'm helping that kid. I'm helping this kid. And uh, one of those kids happened to be Brett Motter. So if you guys know about Brett Motter, Brett Motter wound up five years later winning a Division One National Championship, University of Penn, 157 pounds. And it just exploded. Mm. Like, people were like, well, Brett, Brett's dad is bringing him to you. Brett's dad's a two-time national champion Penn State. He's bringing his kid to you. Like, then people were just falling out of the sky, bringing their kids to me. And it was like, without that, I don't know where I would have gone or, you know, where I would be at today. But right. his dad kickstarted that. And um, Brett's success kind of opened the doors for everybody. It was like, okay. And then, um, at, and then I started taking over. I was like, in a formal manner, I finally turned it over in 1999, turn of the century, 99, 2000. I was like, I came up with a name. And we applied a name to it. And I was like, I'm, I'm going to do this. This is what I want to do for, for my, my I, I can't say living because you don't really make money like that. But <laughs> yeah. this is what I want to do. This is my calling, right? So, yeah. Um, so then I, I took it and ran with it. And I've, I've been doing it now. So total, in total, I've been doing this for 25 years, guys. Yeah. That, that's amazing. Yeah. I mean, and so many athletes that, that you've touched on. I mean, and like my brother hinted towards, I mean, the amount of athletes that you have produced and have done big things. Obviously, another another big star of yours being Jordan Burroughs and and was he he's had um, 
did you when you had him and you were coaching him did you expect that he'd be this great this late in his career or you know how, how'd that go about so when i first started working with him i was working with his team so winslow high school and um they were just a, a team full of athletes like they got guys going to the nfl guys going you know jamel jones going off winning junior college national champions vincent jones becoming an all-american at, at nebraska himself um just a, a room full of just athletes, right? And um, he was part of that. And he was just, you know, he was 90 something pounds when I met him. You know, yeah. uh, in, he finished his freshman year 16 and 11. So there's nothing there to make you say, ooh, national champ. Like he just, but he stayed with it. And so did Vince. And so did Jamel. And they just kept getting better year in and year out. And they kept competing. And all three of those guys, um, you know, Matt Trainer was on the team. Matt Trainer, Matt Trainer's dad was like, "I'm loading you guys up in my van." Vince Jones' dad, "I'm loading you guys up in my truck," and they would just be bringing those kids to me to practice, and it was pretty awesome. It was a great time, and um, just watching these kids develop and what they turned out to be and become is uh, pretty. And now they're even better, better dads, right? So Vince is a great dad. You know, JB is a great dad. Jamel Jones is a great dad. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, seeing what Matt Trainer is doing family wise is great. I mean, just phenomenal to see what those guys have turned out to become yeah no that's uh it's definitely amazing and definitely uh as a coach you love to see your 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 athletes or your students you know just become successful in every area of your life you know that's that's what we try to preach to our athletes um i also have to ask too uh do you still get on the mats and, and scrap with your guys or uh you you how's that looking out for you right now so i i got a big ego so i swear <laughs> i could i swear i could do I watch NCAA's like if NCAA's was in March, I would sit back and be like, I can beat him. I can beat like, <laughs> my, my my competitiveness is off the charts. Like I just feel like like I went to Veterans Nationals 2015. I hadn't wrestled in 13 years. I essentially rolled out of bed, jumped on a flight, and went and wrestled in Veterans Nationals. I was like, I'm not worried about conditioning. I can beat in my head. I'm talking to myself. I'm not worried about conditioning. I can beat these guys in 60 seconds. I don't need to be in great shape. Problem there is I couldn't make it 60 seconds. So <laughs> in your head, you you could do almost anything, right? So, but yeah, I, I love competing. I love just putting on a singlet, throwing on the shoes, jumping out there and, and, and competing. And then at practice from time to time, so I'll go with guys. I wrestled with like one of my 113 pounders, freshmen, like two years ago, man, he, he had me huffing and puffing for like 45 <laughs> minutes after we were done wrestling. Like, it's just, you know, in your head, yes, you could do millions of things that your body will tell you otherwise. Yeah, definitely, for sure. But it definitely is definitely one of the funner parts of being a coach is getting on and, and putting your hands on, on your athletes. It's yeah. uh, something we enjoy for sure. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's funny you bring that up too because, you know, currently um, – I guess what years are now almost like five years out of competition, definitely not in the shape I used to be at all. And we have, we have, we have, we have some pretty good heavyweights going through. We have a national champ in 2018 and then our heavyweight this year is preseason one in the country. And, you know, mm-hmm. I'm like the heavyweight coach. I go with most of the guys and it's definitely different. You know, he's, he's getting pretty good. And you're just like, right. Dang. Yeah. and that's only five years. G. that's only five years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wait until you get into this 13, 14, 15 zone. It just, it's not the same. I think it I'm going to hire more volunteer assistants then. <laughs> you need to do that. You, you got to uh, have people on deck, man. 
Yeah, for sure. But uh, going moving forward here, um, so you've been talking about your club and everything like that. In your opinion, I know this is a loaded question that probably has a bunch of errors, but what has led to the success of your club? Like, if you had to just pinpoint one thing, you're like, you know, this is why I have coached so many good kids and why we're, we're, why we're nationally known. And actually, you know, I don't know if we've mentioned you got national club coach of the year in 2012, which is an amazing honor. So with all these accolades and all these awesome, if you're in your eyes, what is the main reason for the success? Good question. Identity. I feel like we had an identity from the, from the beginning, but the, the identity is in the name, right? So it's like, it's like a stamp. It's like, you know, you see guys that have like these uh, Olympic rings tattoos on their bodies. That's because they've either competed at the Olympics or they expect to be at the Olympics. Mm-hmm. So the bar is here. So when you give somebody, first of all, direction, and then you set a bar, I think everything falls in line. And we're going all the way back to this Seabolt kind of conversation again. But it's like, I let guys know from the beginning, it's like I averaged 23 points a match my junior year in college. I wrestled 38 matches. I was 34 and four. I averaged 23 points a match. Now, you want to do that, guys? You've got to, there's a couple of things that have to take place. You got to be in the best shape of anybody in the gym. You're not going out and averaging 23 points a match out of shape. You cannot be lazy. So your focus and your commitment to conditioning has to be A1. That's one. Then in order for you to average 23 points a match, you better have some takedowns. You better have some scoring positions. So now that means your arsenal has to be A1. So the expectations, we're continuing to keep guys up here. So it's just, when you walk through the room, I, I tell guys, I'd love for you to wrestle like me. But more importantly, I'd like you to wrestle better than me. I'd like you to be better than I was and do way more than I ever did. And in order to do that, that means you got to beat all of the stuff that I did. You know, mm-hmm. I got 300, 300 takedowns my junior year, 300 takedowns in my senior year. You, I want you there, guy. That's how I want you to approach the sport. That's what two for one means to us. You're going to take them down. You're going to be aggressive and right back in his face and wrestle. I'm watching some of these guys today, like the Hasi Aliyevs and guys like that. Hasi Aliyev, obviously, Sajalai is an easy one. But somebody likes to dock off even, even. I mean, aggression from a lot of these guys, they'd be great NCAA Division I wrestlers. Oh, their, yeah. aggress- their aggression would overwhelm people because th- that pace. Now, who are the guys that have been real successful in the U.S. recently that have been able to apply that kind of pressure? The Jordan Burroughs, the Jason mm-hmm. Hall. You know, the guys that are that put that much pressure on you, Kyle Snyder. Yep. I mean, it's just, that's where I was at. And that's where I was at. And before there was a Kyle Snyder, before there was a Jordan Burroughs, I had guys doing that before those guys even were heard of. But the idea is I gave them direction and I gave you an identity and it was easy for us to run with that. So yeah. whether you were tall, tall and skinny, short and stocky, fast, slow, I, the, the expectations were the same. No, I mean, that's awesome, you know. Couldn't have said it better. And definitely, you know, just thinking of USA guys, David Taylor's another one that Absolutely. has been – that pressure's Pressure. been awesome. Um, just some of these younger guys coming up. I mean, Spencer Lee, Valencia, like, you, there's got those guys, your aggression and just pushing the pace. So, um, yeah. but that's I, awesome. I don't even want to stop you, G, because you're 100%. Valencia's pace. He doesn't yeah. even score a lot. You guys know. know that. He doesn't even score a lot. It's his crazy. Pace is crazy. David Taylor actually scores with his pace. I mean, he, yeah. David Taylor. 
So I don't care what David Taylor does. I don't care if he ever wins another world title or another match for that matter. Yeah. What he has on his resume is he wore Hassan Yazdani out. Yeah, that's crazy. That, look, strap him up. Yeah. He yeah. wore Yazdani out. Like, think about that. And he Yaz doesn't Dani get worn out. No. Yeah. No. He's <laughs> known for wearing everybody else out. Yeah. And to say that I wore Yazdani out, get that man a belt. Yeah. That man, that's, it's just, you know, Kyle Snyder, same thing. Yeah, it's Kyle Snyder's two, pace. Yeah. Two things I was talking about, the conditioning and then the pace, and then obviously the pace tied in with having the skill set. I mean, all of those guys, man, they're great. I mean, they're great yeah. to watch, uh, excellent competitors. Yeah, no, yeah, it's for sure. Yeah, it's, you're de it, definitely on to it. I mean, that's definitely a style that every coach should preach. It's just fun. It's a fun style to watch. I mean, people, yeah, yeah. you know, banging heads. You know, Coach Gable always said the best matches were two guys. Two guys think they're going to win, you Both know. Both believe they're going to win. And yep, uh, yep. that's when you really see the fireworks. So, um, but before we get into your D3 uh, testimonial here to, to wrap up, uh, you know, we routed off a bunch of names. If you had to name three wrestlers right now in the world, <laughs> that you would sit down and watch film on, who would they be? Three guys that you really like to study and, and break down. And they have to be current names? Currently. Currently on the, on the circuit. Current names. So anybody that doesn't watch Sajalaya shouldn't be involved with the sport. That's right. <laughs> All right. Yeah, he's nasty. So you do that. Um, I'm not even going to – I'm not going to involve JB, so I, I'm excluding him. I'll do okay. two other names. We so Sajalayev, um, and obviously because for JD, I, I watch a lot of Sadako. I mean, I just, yeah. by, de by default, I'm studying him and seeing where his weak spots are. So I watch a hell of a lot of Sadako. Yeah, mm -hmm. um, he's, he's fun to watch. He's good. Yes. Um, the other guy, I mean, this is a bad question, guys, because I, I watch about 30 different guys right now. <laughs> so, I could tell. So, I said, we could talk um, wrestling all day, all night. Yeah. <laughs> um, let me see for a third one. Um, Elias Bekbulatov. Okay. Very underrated. He is dangerous. I mean, for a while there, I mean, even he won Russian nationally. He beat Soslan Romanov. Romanov, world champ, 14. Olympic champ, 16. This dude beats him, and Russia won't send him to the world. So they have to have some kind of political thing going on where they wouldn't allow him. So now you see Elias has uh, he, he transferred out. I mean, he's gone. But uh, uh -huh. he was, he, in my eyes, he was probably the best 65-kilo guy in the world for about three or four years there. Yeah. Um, he had about seven or eight different, different world champs that he had beaten. It's pretty impressive. Yeah, it's That's pretty impressive. That is, yeah, very, that is very impressive. I mean, you could go through so yeah. many guys at Russian Nationals. I mean, Russian Nationals is just a event. I, you know, it's definitely on my bucket list. Get over there and check yes. that out in person because yeah. it is wild. And honestly, yeah. there's all there's also the political background. Like, you know, yeah. they they know who their best guys are and they hope that those guys yeah. win. Um, yeah. so there's been some controversy at Russian Nationals. But a uh, couple of guns, yeah, and, you know, things like that. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, but, you know, like you said earlier, they're doing something right. I mean, every year they, they have an amazing team, you know, they're, Insane. they're sending those best guys for a reason. So um, it's definitely fun. Yeah. And hopefully the Olympic year happens. They're, they're not, the, they're not just good. Right. So you got to, I'll give you a good il illustration. So 
think about the entire landscape of American wrestling. 57 kilos, 61, 65, 70, and heavyweight. That's five weight classes in the United States of America, from Los Angeles to New York City. How many world champs in those five weeks? That's a good point. Zero. How many world champs at the 74 kilo Russian Nationals last weekend? <laughs> That's crazy, right? It's one weight class. We have five weight classes where we don't have one world or Olympic champ. Yeah, Russia had a weight class with four. It's insane it to think gives that. Gives you an idea. Yeah, yeah, the depth. Yeah, uh, insane. Insane. Yeah. Gadzi left. Gadzi Magomedov is a two-time world champion. He doesn't even have a medal from Russian nationals this year. Yeah, and then the one, the one guy you said you watched, love watching film on for JB. He mm -hmm. actually lost mm -hmm. in the finals, right? He got, yeah, yeah, he got beat first round actually. Yeah, Sabalov. Yeah. yeah, also so, world medalist, silver world, world champ. Yeah, world he's a world champ. champ. World champ. So he's a two, yeah, two thousand world champ or two thousand, two thousand fourteen world champ, and then he's a world silver to JB. So right, he's been around. Yeah, he's yeah. been around the block. So yeah, crazy. Awesome. So as we uh, as we finish up there, we always like to talk about, uh, you know, just Division three wrestling and Division three athletics as a whole and, and what it what it means to to our guests. So just talk about that and, you know, what Division three wrestling experience has meant to you while you're going through it and how it's helped you get to where you are now. What are you trying to accomplish as, a, as an athlete? And then what are you trying to accomplish as a human being? You get into these environments, you develop camaraderie with guys. I'm I'm still excellent friends with you know pretty much the whole team you know you, you want to have some kind of connection with those guys and if you see those guys on Facebook or whatever you haven't even talked to them you know face to face in years but you see them being successful you hit like love whatever and comment it's just it's a great camaraderie and team um, team unity that you have when you have that opportunity are you division one no to me the key is if you want to wrestle Division Three, you want to wrestle Division Two, like a Joey Davis, get your butt out there and beat some Division One guys. Right. Um, point blank, period. Because once you do that, you're going to settle your own situation. Like, so people can say, hey, man, you wrestled the Division Three. Yeah, but I beat the Division Three, the Division One top seed. I beat the Division One top seed that I've beaten multiple Division One All Americans. Now, take it however you want to take it, but the reality of it is, is that gave me. Um, of fulfillment and what I've accomplished while I was at college in New Jersey or Trenton State mm -hmm. College, right? So when you get out there and you can butt heads with these top guys or bang heads with these top guys and you know you're capable of doing it, doesn't matter where you wrestle at, right? So right. I don't have to go to Iowa to be, you know, a beast. You don't have to go to Penn State to be a beast. Darion Caldwell went to NC State before NC State became what you two may know as NC State. Right. They, were like a, they were like a middle school team when he went there. Like mm -hmm. they, they didn't have anything, but he went there and was like, I'm going to win a national championship. And he did it. Right. Like you don't, you don't have to go to these big time programs in order to be successful. Um, the goal is how serious are you? What are your personal goals? How serious are you as a person and how much do you want to put in to becoming a champion or the best that you can be? And division three gives you that opportunity. Just make sure that you get out, go to your opens, go to the Penn state open, go to yep. Midlands, go, go out there and scrap with these guys. And, For sure. um, you know, You'll be surprised you go to some of these Division three schools, you'll be surprised that some of these coaches put the time, effort, and energy into you, like Coach Ice did with me. He really, Coach Ice did a lot for me. Yeah. Like a lot. 
Like, and you know, he allowed me to be who I was and he gave me an opportunity to expand upon who I was because he put me in front of and around John Smith while I was in college. He made sure that I got to see John Smith and, and make sure that I absorbed what I wanted to absorb from John Smith because at the time John Smith was the guy, right? So it, it gave me an opportunity to be around him and, and Ice made sure that that was allotted to me and, and uh, afforded to me. So I appreciate everything that that man did obviously and it helped me and I'm sure there's other guys Division three strap at Montclair State. I run into any of these big time coaches you guys talking about Jim Miller. He's not in my, he's from my era, but he's not in my region. Like, you know, how gotcha, we are yeah. with New Jersey. Yeah. But if I, if I was out there, I'm sure, you know, I'd have a relationship with Jim Miller as well. And he's just, he's got, they're good guys. I mean, these yeah. coaches are good, good dudes. They want to see guys be successful. And um, that's the goal. Get your, get out there, get your degree, move on in life. And um, hopefully you can impact somebody else in a real positive manner. I mean, that's ultimately the goal. And I've been blessed to be an opportunity to thousands of kids to impact. And um, so, you know, you guys saw my son here, but I got thousands of sons, you know, I got yeah. thousands, thousands Good, of guys. That great, yeah, to great point. Great yeah, points. That's awesome. Very, very well said. And, uh, you know, before we finish up here, you know, how can guys uh, get connected with your club and, and follow, you know, Raw 2 for 1 and, uh, you know, and follow your story too? Yeah, so jump on um, – I would probably say Instagram is the one that I'm on the most. Okay. Uh, you do uh, raw underscore two for one. And, I, and, and I'm on there a lot. Uh, if you guys get on like Twitter or stuff like that, I'm like a straight neophyte on Twitter. I get on Twitter and start sending messages to myself. Like I have no idea what's going on. on Twitter. Like <laughs> I have totally clueless. But um, like JD's got his, like his pit post on Twitter is him doing uh, one of the workouts that we do in the room. It's kind of cool. Uh, if you go on there, but uh, cool. directly to contact me, raw underscore two for one on uh, on Instagram. Sweet, it's awesome, awesome. man. I, I really appreciate you know you reaching out to me uh, via Facebook. Uh, we always yeah. love telling D three stories like you, and that, you know you couldn't have said that testimony better. Um, very well said, and this podcast episode has been awesome. I really appreciate you coming on, man. Yep. I appreciate yeah. you guys for having me. Can I can I say one other thing? I want to throw yeah. one other piece of information out there. Yeah, yeah go ahead. Do it. You'll, you'll like this. This is crazy. So we didn't get a chance to talk about it, but I, I don't want it to go with you know without us spending a, a few seconds on it. Okay. The women's rust the women's wrestling game. The women's wrestling game is owned by Japan. Okay. Yeah. So of the last twenty world championships, world and or Olympic championships. They've won 18 of them. That's Yeah, that's crazy. Okay, let me repeat that so that we're, we're on the same page here. Of the last 20 world championships, they've won 18 of them. When they go to Worlds or when they go to Olympics, their goals, so uh, same thing, back to the Seabolt thing. If you go to Japan or you're from Japan and you go to Worlds and you don't place, you're not getting on that team again. You take <laughs> third you take third, you might be walking home. So make sure you have like your Asics running shoes <laughs> and you strap your back. They might make you walk home because they are serious about gold in that country when it comes to their women. And yeah, that sure. is like, a, that's a mindset. And I, I love I love that mindset that those girls have when they walk out on the mat, that they're performing at such a high level. It's like, I think the best wrestler in the world for females is Kawhi, obviously. Risako Kawhi, but then also you got Yu Sasaki. So I think you got a 1A and a 1B situation. And they would come over here and beat up on guys. They're good. Yeah. Yeah, they're, they're good. You they're know not, what? They're not good what, for girls. 
Yeah, it's it's crazy. Like, you know, we're talking about Russian nationals and all that stuff. I mean, I can only imagine what Japan nationals is like for women because, like, what they what Russians is to male wrestling and freestyle, that's what Japan wrestling Japan? is. It's like insane. Their their runs and how many good people they have now. It's a great point for sure. And you know, just talk about more about women wrestling. I really think that is changing the game for us in the U.S. I think that has to be. I don't know. I still don't know what it's taking so long for more states to sanction it. But that it's a thing that has to be happening, and it's going to be saving our sport because, as you were talking about earlier, all those programs that have been shut down. I bet you a lot of it is because of Title Nine. Well, you're Absolutely. not going to have you're not going to have that problem with Title Nine anymore if you sanction yeah. women's wrestling and it becomes huge and wrestling will just continue to grow and get bigger. I agree. We need we need to have a louder voice though. We can't just wait for the program to get dropped and then bark about it. We've got to have something to stop things before it gets dropped, right? So we got to get something in place to where they don't feel like they should drop us. You get what I'm saying? Like we're reacting to these schools dropping our programs and we're barking after the fact. I want something in place to where they can't move us. Yes. Right. Well so said. Anthony said it earlier when he was talking about the style, the two for one style. It is the style. Entertain people, man. Yep. You, you pack, when you do what Penn State is doing in that gym, you think yep. they're ever going to drop that program? You <laughs> no. think what, what Iowa is doing at Carver Hawkeye, you think they're ever going to drop that program? You got to have an entertaining style of, of wrestling to make that product so tantalizing to people that when they get in that gym, they're like, the buzz is overwhelming. And when right. you do that, it's like, they can't drop you. They're not going to be able to drop you. But if you got this, you know, two guys on the mat looking for five minutes and 37 seconds of riding time rolling mm-hmm. around on the mat. I mean, if you're just passing by and you look in the gym and you see that, that's not going to make you as a non-wrestling fan be turned on by that or be entertained by that. And we need to be able to entertain because that's what sports are. We know Mm -hmm. that football, basketball, baseball, entertainment. Yeah. 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 No, great points, man. Very well said, J-Rock.